Thank you for joining us on Feed the Crew. If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. If you have any feedback, if you'd like to be a guest or suggest a topic, go to our website, feedthecrewpodcast.com. If you love the show and want to support us, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash feed the crew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Feed the Crew. Today, we're talking to Rebecca Drasnan of Advanced Concepts in Vienna, Virginia. She is the vice president of services there and a dear friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no, we're really glad to hear about you because uh, we've had some of our guests mention you. And so I think it would be very prudent to have a conversation with you and now introduce you to our <laughs> listeners Okay. and, and not to, you know, not to put the pressure on, but yeah. <laughs> no pressure, so, but this pressure. Okay. No pressure, but pressure. Right. 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 <laughs> so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, where, where you're from, what you do and how you got started. Uh, okay. How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> as much time as you want. All right. So I, uh, I actually grew up in Vermont and went to school in Boston, went to school, uh, went to Emerson college, uh, for mass communications and studied, um, film and television. And actually before that, when I was in Vermont, I actually had a radio show. I did a radio show Ruby Tuesday for the local, uh, uh, college there, which was very fun. Um, so I knew I sort of wanted to be in doing something like that. So um, went to Emerson and studied film uh, and animation. Um, ended up doing a lot more of, ended up doing producing. At Emerson, there were two types, this is in the 80s, two types of degrees you can get a um, 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 Bachelor of Science or uh, uh, a, a BS degree, which stood for a couple of things. <laughs> right. Or, or um, <laughs> and there was also another level of a degree you could get. But in order to get that degree, you had to do what was called a practicum film. And so there were a lot of people I worked with that wanted to do that major film project to get the, uh, the BFA. And uh, I think it was a BFA. I never wanted to do that because my understanding was to do a major film, it costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the money. So uh, these other people all wanted to do them that I knew and they all wanted to be directors or be behind the camera and do the writing. Um, They didn't want to deal with the details. So I ended up producing their films and I produced um, quite a few of them, four or five of them, I guess, because I would do the details. Nobody wanted to do those details about what are we, when are we eating? What do you have to wear? How are people <laughs> going to get from point A to point B? Or, you know, the gear rental and all the, all the stuff that went with it. They all wanted that They're high just profile. The arts I want to be the director <laughs> or write it. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I didn't right. want to do that. To me, that was more pressure. To me, it was easier to deal with the details. I could sit down, I could write things, I could, you know, figure things out. But the pressure of being like on the spot and directing, I didn't like that. Um, so I ended up producing quite a number of those. I also ended up working in like the media center as my work study. So I've sort of always been around um, equipment. And then I think my first like part-time job was at Radio Shack. <laughs> Com Ave in Boston. So I was sort of a, a little bit of a nerd, I guess you could say, in terms of equipment. 
I think all of us are. <laughs> I, you know, I learned very quickly, you know, what an RCA plug is, the difference between a mini and a quarter inch and, and that kind of thing. I've known since, you know, I was a teenager, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. And then after that, I started working uh, at the hotels doing AV. Um, I was Up in Boston? In Boston. This was okay. before, like right when the, the Copley Plaza, all those hotels were getting built. And I would okay. go in the morning and work for a couple hours before classes started and do like the morning setups. So I'd go at like six in the morning and work for, you know, two or three hours, do those setups. And then I'd leave and go to class. Um, so I worked, I was working for projection. Ah, okay. So, so I started, so I've sort of been doing audio visual, that kind of stuff for, yeah, a long time. Decades like me. <laughs> Decades. Not to count, but <laughs> a while. A long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. So uh, anyway, so I've had a number of jobs and ended up moving to this area. I got uh, engaged and got married right after I graduated, actually, and wanted to, we were thinking, you know, Boston was an expensive place to live. So we're like, we wanted to move somewhere. So we ended up moving to DC for some silly say, reason. Wait, wait. <laughs> How does that concept get you to DC? <laughs> yeah, so it was like, like a slimmest margin, cheaper at right? the time. Not much, you know. And also, Boston's very much a town that's just filled with college students. And then when you're not a college student anymore, it's like, oh, I want to feel like I'm, I'm grown up and, and not a college student anymore. So I was going to move somewhere that seemed a little bit more professional. Gotcha. So my mom lived in D.C., so we ended up coming to the uh, D.C. area. I actually, uh, we came towards Baltimore. I was thinking, ended up in Gaithersburg, thinking I could get a job in either Baltimore or D.C. area. Right. Ended up moving towards Virginia. So I've been in Northern Virginia since uh 88 89, wow something like that 89 yep. I think that's that long in. time yeah uh, so had a number of jobs all sort of in the av uh, you know industry doing audiovisual at uh at a law firm um did it at the you know corporation i worked for five years at um um PRC at the time, which was owned by Black and Decker, doing corporate AV, you know, for their meetings, internal meetings and stuff. Um, because I was married and was starting to have kids, I really, I didn't want to do the hotel work. I knew that was the early right. morning, long hours. I really sort of wanted that nine to five job. So I always sort of right. gravitated to, to something that gave me that more of that nine to five, you know, Monday through Friday type lifestyle. Right. And that's, that's important to note for some of the younger generation coming up that, you know, when you do want to start a family, there is a way to work this industry into that environment. Yeah. And there you are know? a lot of different types of things you can do. I mean, I was doing the corporate stuff. Mm -hmm. So law firms were big enough to have, you know, their own place. There's a lot of companies that have their own internal AV department. I mean, even churches and stuff these days. Right. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, then I, uh, started at advanced concepts in 97, uh, came here and got interviewed by Phil 
And on my second interview, I said, I know I don't have to say this, but just so you know, I'm pregnant. And I was, <laughs> I was very pregnant, but he had not had That's why I always remember when I started Advanced Concepts as my middle kid was born in 97. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my so, goodness. It's like, well, you know, when, when do you do it? So then the summer, it's like, oh, great. Because we're not busy. Summer's a downtime. So it works out perfect. Right? So I that's, the, that's the other thing. You could plan your pregnancies around that calendar if you really, really want to get that detailed about it. <laughs> that's right. You can. So, you know, I've now been here since, you know, 97. So almost 24 years. That's awesome. So there, I think that, I was about 10 years when I got a um, uh, promotion to VP of services. I've been okay. an account executive. So. so that's sort of the history. Gotcha. And that's you, there's so many fascinating details that I didn't know about you. That, that was actually really cool to hear all that. So tell us though, what kind of pitfalls did you have along the way? that uh, you overcame? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's always something, whether it's the people you work with. Um, I remember when I was interviewed for my job at the corporation, um, the guy who hired me, I was in my interview and you know, I was very young. And I, I didn't sort of know what you can and can't ask a woman when you're being hired in the ass. So how do you think you're going to uh, be working with all men? <laughs> and I was sort of like, uh, uh, how do you respond to that? That is a really <laughs> odd question. You're absolutely right. Well, I, I don't know if you, yeah, not really a great question. I'm like, well, Seeing as how I've been in sort of this production and AV business pretty much, you know, my whole life, how is this different? Right. <laughs> wow. Oh, so it was a little weird. So, you know, you have to, you know, put up with, you know, he, he was not a great boss, but some of the people I worked with there were great. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I don't know. I mean... I'm not sure what pitfalls I had, it, you know, a lot of one of the pit, big pitfalls was trying to manage family life and working, you know, right. how, do you, how do you manage, even with the nine to five, there's still plenty of times when you have to go out and travel and it's long hours and weekends. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my, my husband says, what is with these Saturday meetings? Why are doctors always having meetings over the weekend? It's the weekend. <laughs> because <laughs> they're not seeing patients over the weekend <laughs> why do you have to be there at six in the morning <laughs> yeah yeah there is so, some crazy stuff that goes on in our industry even you know on the corporate side you would think nine to five nine to five nine to five but it's really not always that way well even if it's nine to five okay so you have to be set up by eight and to get set up by eight you got to be there at six or seven to do everything and sort of so you're ready in time yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think that's, you know, the, you know, one of the harder things was just managing that work-life balance, you know, right. you know, family-life balance. I understand that. Trust me. <laughs> so you and I have had a lot of conversations 
recently here in 2020 about uh, the pandemic and how things needed to change. Like you and I were talking right as this all started about how we need to change things we need to do. And this whole virtual platform that we've gotten into with all of our AV companies is something that's not new to you. You guys have been working with this type of satellite event, remote uh, right. stuff for, for a very long time. In fact, uh, yeah. In fact, it was one of the things that first came to my mind was that, wow, advanced concepts is, is going to skyrocket with this because they're so used to it already. So tell us though, what it was like to, to pivot in uh, the pandemic to having everything turn virtual. What was that like for you? I mean, it's, it's been very, you know, it's very different. I mean, we've been doing virtual type things and broadcasting for years and years, but everything's very different (laughs) for now. Mm-hmm. And everybody has a different, you know, expectation. So yes, we've been doing broadcasting from hospitals to meetings, well, for 20, you know, plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been doing a lot of that, but a lot of that was satellite and fiber. So you're talking very high quality. Um, and then we'd have meetings that wanted to do something like, uh, we want the Hollywood squares you know, we want to do something like that, where no one would say that now, of course, but, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, that's right. what they were saying. How can we do right. Hollywood squares? Or we have, you know, a presenter that's can't be here and we need to bring them in on Skype or Adobe Connect. Or, you know, we started using Zoom six years ago, five years ago, um, because they, we actually found it was more stable than Skype. And Adobe yeah. Connect. we liked it better. Um, so we've been doing that kind of thing for a long time, but it's usually been the ones and twos and, and bringing in a presenter or a couple panelists and, and the rest of the meetings, the same, you still have your full crew, you still have everything. It's just sort of adding, you know, your add on. Right. Um, Now, all of a sudden with everything virtual, it's been, it's been a, a difficult, you know, pivot. There's so many different ways to do things. So I know when we first start talking, we're like, okay, well, we're used to Zoom. Mm-hmm. Zoom is, is, you know, everybody's really good, you know, familiar with it. It's easy to use. Let's see what we can do. But we're like, it just wasn't getting us to where we wanted to be. We're like, well, we need to have that speaker timer. Okay, we got to figure out, okay, we can figure out how to get the speaker timer to them. Okay. Now we're like, well, you know, what about advancing their slides? You know, how do we do that and make sure? Because we knew if people were trying to show their slides over Zoom, your quality is going to go down. And if you're sharing the screen, so we're like, no, we want to we want to keep control just like we normally do, or we have a graphics person managing the slides and maintain that quality. But you also want to make sure the presenter has the ability to advance their own slides. You you know, doctors do not want to say next slide. Right. There's plenty of meetings that people have no problem do that. Doctors do not want to say next slide or previous slide. It is like broken if they have to say that, which is completely ridiculous, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But in their head, they, they, you know, no, uh, something's not working. (laughs) Yeah, we have talked about the 
with previous guests about the nuances of working with doctors because it's almost a subsection of yeah. <laughs> well, of our industry. So much of what we do really is medical oriented. Right. Mostly doctors are the people we're working with. Um, hence the meetings at seven in the morning and <laughs> going till nine yeah. at night. Um, so anyway, so it's been, you know, difficult coming up with a solution that we think is the best solution. So we've been, you know, I've reached out to people like you and then a lot of our different texts and say, you know, let's get these, you know, people together. Nobody was doing anything. We're like, you know, let me start reaching out to, you know, our great AV techs and see what do they think? And let's get them on a Zoom call and see what it's like with people coming in. Because you certainly can't figure these things out with actual presenters and doctors and they're only going to look from their point of view. I want it from the point of view of a technician. And, you know, one of the things I've always tried to do is when I'm using AV techs and and independent contractors, you know, they all come with their own set of knowledge base. And Mm -hmm. I want to use that and um, not just tell them what to do. I mean, I know, as I said, I, I've got experience. It's like, I know how to set up a stupid fast fold screen. I don't want to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know what it's going to take, but right. you know, if somebody comes and, and says, wait, I have a different way. You know, this is broken. I have a good way to fix this. You know, I want to listen right. to their expertise. And the same thing happened with this. I wanted to bring people in and say, did anybody else have a good idea how to do this? Whether it's different ways to do back channel calm or, you know, the unity, the discord, the different things that are out there, um, or just, you know, get people's different opinions. And so we actually had a lot of fun with it, where we had, I'd asked people to like make a presentation. So, you know, I had, you know, Peter made a presentation on how to make pizza, because you had to practice with actually PowerPoints. Awesome. You know, we had the people, you know, take turns presenting and take turns being, you know, an audience member or a moderator. And, and how do we do that? And how do we recreate that live event flow of presentation after presentation after presentation? Because with medical events, again, which is what most of what we do, the presentations are quick, sometimes mm-hmm. as short as five minutes. Five to 10 minutes is the norm. And they have a lot of slides and a lot of videos. So as you remember. Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So, and they just go bang, bang, bang. I mean, our guys, when they're working are busy, you know, checking those slides and making sure. And as soon as you've got one checked and one presentation that's started, it's already almost over and you got the next one to prepare for. It is a very oh, yeah. fast paced. And so we were trying to figure out how can we maintain that fast paced virtually. Um, so we ended up uh, coming up and, and really building. We've built three virtual studios in our office here. We combined vMix, OBS, and Zoom and sort of are using a combination of everything to what we think is sort of the best solution. Um, of course, in this virtual world, the best solution is pre-record. <laughs> <laughs> Just pre-record your presentation. And you know. <laughs> because you're dealing with virtual presenters that are coming from all over the country, all over the world. Yeah. Who all have different internet issues. Right. So 
<laughs> anything that you can have pre-recorded is absolutely the best thing to do we but you also have people who say i want it live i want it live so you're we're constantly you know trying to find that balance of the, the live and mm -hmm. the dynamicness of a live event with a pre-recorded right. all pre-recorded you can just have a video let somebody watch the video there's nothing exciting there. right so right well um, there's a there's a majority of your doctors because I, I've worked very closely with you over the years and, and particularly on some of the, um, the speaker ready side. So helping the doctors check their presentations. Um, but a lot of them have, you know, last minute changes. And in some industries you think of that and you go, oh, well, we just cut them off and that's that. But yeah. with these doctors, it's a whole different thing because they could have a new study that came in. They can have new stats that came in. It is very important for a lot of them to make last minute changes. So pre-recording a doctor to do a presentation has that issue, right? You know, they could pre they can pre-record it and maybe they pre-recorded it three days in advance and then their stats changed three times in the last three days. Yeah. Yeah. So really when it, on, the, on the content, right. Some right. you can get away with that, but some, no, it's going to be you know, stale. So Right. Uh, and then we have other things that we do, which is, you know, the live cases, the live broadcast from the hospital. Right. So, you know, the how's that? Is it's, it's live. <laughs> right. How's that going with the pandemic? Because uh, you have typically had technicians that go into these hospitals, into the operating rooms yeah. with their equipment and, and we're still and doing hook that. up. We're, we're, they're letting, they're letting them in, yeah. which is great. Yeah. So far now, most of our most of our technicians have to do things like have a series of shots. So sure. um, there's a whole credentialing that hospitals are requiring that some hospitals are requiring, and most of our crew has that. Um, right. We have to maintain. There's multiple credentialing companies. We have to maintain which crew has what, and just make sure that all their their you know MMR and their their flu vaccines are up to date and I'm sure COVID will be on there before long. Sure. Um, so, and, and, and different forms and um, that have to be signed to make sure in terms of HIPAA releases and that kind of thing. Right. So um, yeah, our crews, we've still been going and doing hospital stuff um, because, you know, they're going into a different part of the hospital. Right. It's not near the COVID. Um, but there's, it's been tough. I mean, there's been, you know, some issues, you know, they have to either get tested beforehand. Most of them will have to get at least tested for COVID before they go in. Right. Um, but we're still doing that. We've done a number of them. We did a bunch of uh, live cases for, uh, for TCT this year, as well as Viva. Um, we do some, most of the TCT ones were all taped. Um, so we do it live where we're bringing in the live panelist moderator and the panelists they'll have a live case we'll bring in our signal from the hospital and they'll watch the procedure and have this back and forth discussion about the procedure um and then we take that re-record it and then that's what's sent to the platform for the meeting okay so you pre-recorded those sessions for tct, for TCT? this year yeah okay yeah TCT so, is a very large, uh, large scale event. So uh, yeah. everybody in like the Northeast knows about TCT. And I know TCT went out West for a year or two. 
So, so there's a lot of people in our industry that do know what TCT is, but for those who don't, explain TCT. The TCT is one of the largest um, interventional cardiology meetings um, in the country, um, maybe the world, I'm not sure. So TCT has been going since the, uh, I think 90s, early 90s. Uh, and we, well, and Phil had done it, I think since almost one of its first years, since before it was even in the convention centers. And we did TCT for many, many years, which is um, sort of, you know, my first year working here is <laughs> TCT. So a lot of my stories are sort of TCT related because we did so many of them and it's such a big meeting. Um, it is. But they would have a main arena uh, and then two other large rooms and there'd be live cases going to all those, uh, to those three rooms. Um, as well as presentations, of course. And then there'd be multiple other uh, breakout rooms and other meetings going on at the same time. So, um, yeah, I have, I have lots of stories about <laughs> TCT. And I got to tell you, I've met a lot, of, a lot of people doing that. And that's Absolutely. where you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the relationships, you know, we started was, was from that. Yeah, I, that's where I met you. Yeah. Um, and before I met you on TCT by working with you as a freelancer, uh, I had worked with a company that they went out of business. So when they went out of business, I stayed in the DC area as a freelancer, but when they were in business and TCT would come to DC, we ended up with, you know, four or five hotels that had meetings that right. were related to TCT. Right. So not only did TCT come into town, take over the convention center, they took over, they the took over just about every hotel in DC. Yep. We had, you had freelancers coming in from all over the Northeast to cover this. And that's, you know, yep. why I said, and we brought people in from all over the country. I, you know, we would manage yeah. through the AV there'd be, you know, we bring in a lot of different companies were involved. So we like the main arena, we would work with another company for its future route for many years. And then it was mm -hmm. uh, PSAV. Um, and then there was other companies that would come in skiing, you know, did all the, the video broadcasting, the master control part and, and uh, med scene. Right. Um, so there was a number of companies, but we were doing a lot of sort of the, uh, all the speaker ready many years and then all the all the av for all the other meeting rooms as well as the hotels so right. i remember we would i would usually assign somebody uh you know a couple people to sort of manage each hotel but we would have to manage the uh equipment as well as the crew for all the different locations so it was i remember it being so large i finally said listen i can't keep in my head everything i had to literally have a sign-in sheet for all the crew Absolutely. So <laughs> and I think that's the first time I ever started. Okay. I, I had like a training session for crew and I, yes. I really thought, oh, those were fun. Uh, like a PowerPoint. And I was like, okay, because I wanted to make sure all the crew were on the same page with everything. Yeah. Like, like who are the main names? If you see this doctor, you need to, you know, realize he's the head doctor. And, and how are you going to know that as a freelancer coming in? So we would have right. a little bit of an orientation training. Yes. Well, not only that, but you, uh, you always have this, uh, again, we're talking about doctors being a little niche. Um, yes. so there was always newer technology that was going into, uh, advanced concepts events, which was one of the things that all of us as freelancers always looked forward to. 
of what's the new thing that they're doing and working with this year. So that orientation was not only like you said, to make sure that we were on point with the client side and the, and the event itself with what was going on, but then your technicians like Joe uh, would come and talk to us about what's, what's new in the speaker ready program that you have. Um, and sometimes you'd have your, your TD come in and tell us about the newer technologies that you're working with. So having those little, the recordings, absolutely. So the things that you guys did with us was just cool. When we first started doing TCP, it was all slides. Everything was 35 millimeter slides. And they, so the big ones would have the dual slide projectors. And literally (laughs) we would have carousel trays and doctors would have to come back and pick up their slides for the speaker ready. And yeah, uh, and then we would, and then we got video projectors and they would, uh, hold on one second. I'm so sorry. I don't know if I can, there we go. Sorry about that. So then we then we would have uh, uh, the slides going through video projectors to project it on the screen. And then finally everything went electronic you know, <laughs> computers, but you know, that's how long we've been, we've been doing TCT for so many years. We were sort of there for that transition. Absolutely. Um, well, and I, I remember once um, one of the first years, you know, I, you know, there was always that point where, oh my God, you know, the slide tray falls, right? Right. All the slides come out or something goes wrong. And, you know, it's AV, you know, there's always something little that happens, you know, it, it's technology, right? There's no right. really such thing as perfect, perfect, you know, so get 99.9%, but it's technology, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I remember I remember moving into the corporate side further into my career um, because I started out doing audio and festivals. So, you know, getting into corporate and, and newer video stuff was a bit of a, I guess, a mark in my timeline of history, but people were still doing slides and it was the doctors Mm -hmm. because they were kicking and screaming and pushing back against the digital technology Not because, not because they, you know, had anything against the newer technology, but because they would have to have their slides transferred digitally. So they're going to, you know, they got to pay for that and keep it organized. And it was a big deal to them to get out of slides. So, and then all the slides were coming in as this awful ratio. Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And then, so they, they, they do this right. And then down the line, working with you guys in speaker ready, it was so funny to talk about uh, the 4-3 aspect ratio when we've been doing 16-9 forever and you get this newbie in here going, what are we doing? 4-3-4, four, four. this is ridiculous. This is da, da, da. It's like, dude, you have no idea how hard it was to get them out of slides. You know, the hard picture carousel slides, okay? So don't, don't complain about the 4-3. They're not ready. <laughs> Well, I wanted to say something uh, when I was saying something about how, you know, th- you know, doctors are also, you know, especially heart doctors, some of them have this um, ego, mm. so to speak, yeah, and are, are difficult. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be told what to do. And, and they, you know, you know, they're dealing with life and death stuff all the time. And yes. you know, sometimes yeah. they sort of look down on a slowly technicians and people running the show for them. 
And I remember at one point at TCT, something went wrong or something went, you know, and the main doctor was there and was so mad. He went up to, um, to Carl on and fired him. <laughs> so oh. you're fired. And, oh, you know, Carl's so cool headed. He's like, yes. yeah, I'm not worried. She didn't <laughs> hire me. Rebecca did. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, bless his heart. I love him for how calm, cool, and collected he always is. Uh, so that, that inspired me. Room when the power's gone out. So, you know, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I mean, we've just sort of really seen that the meetings. And, you know, as I said, since we, when I started Advanced Concepts, it was slides. We used to have a dark room here to do slides, and it has slowly oh, wow. more and more to now today you know, everything is virtual. I mean, we have these virtual studios and, and uh, we've designed a whole virtual, you know, uh, platform for streaming. So, it, you know, it really does continually just grow and expand and, and it's sort of fun seeing how far you've come and, and how many changes and, and, and how you got there. Right. You know, speaking of that, um, I, you, you have this whole uh, staff and freelance crew that you work with, and they're all dear friends of mine. I love them all. They're like family. Uh, Joe actually let me come into their uh, setup and sound check, you know, type time on one of your events. And I'm wondering if it would be all right with you if we did that with the podcast and let some of our listeners Oh, sure. Come in and, and hear what goes on behind the scenes yeah. of a virtual event, because this sure. is something that it's going to, well, at some point, be a piece of history, because <laughs> it's not that virtual events will go away, but it will start to go back to the way it was and not be quite as much, you know, of the virtual involvement until, uh, yeah. until our internet gets stronger. This yeah. obviously put a jump and a stress on the industry to make some changes and make some stronger programs, but uh, the infrastructure is not where we need it all over the country. So it's still going to be a hard push to keep doing virtual events, at least in my mind. Yeah, but- I don't know. I mean, I got to tell you, I think most of the meetings specifically for the, the upcoming year mm-hmm. are going to have a virtual element to them for a long time to come. Uh, yes. Maybe, and honestly, I think forever. There's a certain amount. I don't think it's ever going to go away. Now that people see that you can do this and see how easy it is, so to speak, right. to participate using Zoom or whatever um, and participate as a panelist and not have to travel or not have to take time off. And all they have to do is maybe, you know, leave an open you know, appointment slot on their schedule and they can leave their, their office, you know, door closed do their presentation or participate in one thing and then go back to seeing patients. I got to tell you, I don't think people are going to want to stop doing that. And if, if yeah. uh, people who are running the meetings want to continue to get the big names and get people to participate in their events, they're going to have to be flexible. And I think that's one of the things they're going to be flexible about, you know, because if, you know, as I said, we've been doing it for years. I mean, five years ago, we did it with people who wanted to have a panel discussion with people from out of the country. Right. And the time differences and the travel time and the expense of travel um, 
is too much for certainly for participating in a panel discussion or a single, you know, 10 minute presentation. Right. You know, it's, it's difficult. So this is, I think what people are going to do. And, and I think they're also seeing when you're doing things on the web and you have a, a streaming, they're also seeing that they get a lot more attendees. Ah. Where somebody can go and watch and, and sit in their living room if they weren't able to travel, but they could go in their living room in their office and watch a meeting mm-hmm. uh, for a day or two. It's still, you know, less time than taking four days if they had to travel or if they have, you know, family things that they can't leave the house for. So they right. are seeing that attendance is going up in the virtual meetings too. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be here for a while. So. <laughs> okay. And, and, and I can, comp- I can completely understand that, especially uh, from the industry that you're most uh, working with, which is the medical community. Uh, because again, they did have a strong component of this in the first place. So I can understand that this has now strengthened their resolve in that, you know, the doctor from Germany does not have to travel all the way to the U S for a conference. You know, that takes a huge chunk of time out of that person's schedule when they could be working in their practice and, and helping people, which is what they, they want to do. They want to help their patients, but they also want to teach other doctors to help patients. So both pieces of this are, are a passion to these doctors. So Um, the one, the one, you know, promising thing is, is there's certainly the in-person meetings aren't going to go away because there's a whole industry exhibit hall component of it. And those exhibitors want to see the people face to face. And right. they, they, I know that part of it are missing the, the people, the in-person part. They're not getting the same thing. So I, I, you know, I truly think that the in-person meetings will be coming back um, you know, before too, as soon as, soon as it's safe, but it's sure. probably going to be you know, close to another year. Gotcha. Is that the feeling that you're getting from some of the, the doctors that you're close with? Yeah. Some of the meeting planners, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've got meeting planners that are trying to think about doing a, uh, a hybrid type as soon as April, um, June, but okay. no one has talked about in person yet until possibly the fall. Um, that's sort of up in the air. I don't think any decisions have been made yet for like the TCTs and Viva's, the larger meetings that are in the fall. Right. So I think they're going to wait to see what happens in the next couple months before they make any kind of decisions on that. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. That's something that I was just talking to someone about the other day, which is that even though we're hearing larger meetings saying possibly the fall of 2021, it's one of those things where you hear that, but that doesn't mean our entire industry is going to wait until fall of 2021. They're going to start to look at these smaller ones, right? you know, as early as the summer. And now you're saying April, which is a good yeah. thing to hear, but tell us uh, a little bit about uh, the, the hybrid events. One of my thoughts and concerns as a project manager is the cost of a hybrid event. Because as <laughs> you're shaking your head, yes, yeah. already. <laughs> uh, t- <laughs> because it's more. Nobody wants right. to do that. Right. So let, let's hear about that. What's your thought about the costs that are involved in 
first of all, virtual events, because some people thought that virtual events were going to be, oh, this will cost me less. Right. It's well, a cost shift in my mind. There's a, so go ahead and, and talk to me so about that. There, there are two different things going on. One is in terms of just the cost in general. Um, there's a huge vary, variation. Um, you know, people say, oh, wow, I can just do this on Zoom. Why is it costing so much? I can mm -hmm. just do Zoom. Well, you know, you're only getting this with doing Zoom. Um, but they say, oh, I can do it myself. I can do my own webinars. I can, you know, see who's coming in and have these presentations. Uh, CRT went completely um, virtual. They're doing it themselves. They just have, you know, every other Saturday or every Saturday, they have Zoom webinar sessions. That works for them. Um, and they're able to keep their costs down. Um, then there's the really large platforms with your exhibit halls, with your avatars and your 3D and <laughs> how many bells and whistles and, and games can you can you add that you know for this? Right. Um, and then I kind of feel like we're somewhere in the middle. You know, we're doing this. Uh, you know, we have a solid, high quality. You know, production that we're doing. Um, we've got a, a platform. I have to show it to you. I haven't shown it to you recently, but it, no. it looks great. Uh, it's a really nice platform. We've been able to integrate. We have you know virtual exhibit halls and um, able to do things like abstracts and, and you know multiple streams and all kinds of stuff. Um, but you know, there's, there's this variation. So whenever you try to price something for your client, they're like, you know, why is it so much? Or why does it have all the bells and whistles? <laughs> so there's that. So, yeah. so then there's the, the whole hybrid issue. If you're talking hybrid and you're in a hotel, at this point right now, what we've been doing, you know, all the diagrams and stuff we're doing are one person per six foot. Right. You know, so you don't get as many people. You have to spread people out. You can have less people at your head table. Um, however, if you have one person of six foot, you're still putting people farther back, as far back in the ballroom as you were before, just mm -hmm. as far from your projection screen. So your projection screen doesn't get any smaller because people are still the same distance from it. Right. So your audiovisual costs really remain exactly the same. Because it doesn't matter to us, as you know, how yeah, many yeah. bodies are sitting in the audience. <laughs> right. Maybe for from audio point of view, it matters a little bit, but you're still having to fill up the same amount of space with audio. Right. Right. Well, because the difference is in in the past, when we're talking about numbers of people, you can sit the people in the ballroom theater style, which will hold a lot more people than the classroom style, where everybody sits at a short, you know, a, a table, eighteen inch table, right. So yeah, you'll have less people when you put all those tables and chairs in the room versus having it a full theater style. But now, now, like you said, we're talking even but, less. Right. It's less people you can put in there, but it doesn't change your audiovisual capability. Mm -hmm. So now when you start adding the virtual element to it, to make it a hybrid, you now have to bring people in virtually because there's going to be some presenters or panelists that can't make it in or don't want to travel. So now you have to have that computer backstage. It's just managing virtual presenters, computer computers, depending on how many. Mm -hmm. They need a separate op for it. So now all of a sudden your production costs have gone up. And then of course, you're going to live stream it for your audience that can't make it. 
So now you've added the live stream part of it. Mm -hmm. So you're really, whatever your prices were for your virtual and then your in-person meeting, you really are almost combining them. Right. There's very, right. There's very little in that, that it, that overlaps in cost savings because they are two separate pieces of a puzzle right in our world so you know so right now we've really been just concentrating on the virtual um Mm -hmm. you know i think our setup is pretty good that we've developed i'm i'm really happy with it i think it's been great we are in the thing one thing i also like is we're able to to use some of our local you know freelancers and uh on and independent contractors. So we bring in a, a video op and an audio op um, and computer ops, you know, graphic ops uh, to manage mm-hmm. the PowerPoints. Um, and sometimes we have to bring in separate people just to manage Zoom or right. room directors, you know, managing the speaker timers and stuff. So, you know, when we're doing a full virtual suite, we may have as many as five people per suite. Right. So, We've got them all separated with plastic. I have, I have my <laughs> plastic bubble. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's something that uh, the staging solutions scenic department here mm-hmm. transitioned into was to go around Houston and install some of these plexiglass barriers because right. it's it's a necessary evil. <laughs> yeah. But you know, nice that it kept them working through this. And we were able to really separate um, a lot here. We have two different floors. We're able to move things. So we literally, um, you know, Joe's, you know, our T director is able to do everything remotely. He's working from home. So his office has been converted into a director's studio. So the director is in there <laughs> and they can That's close awesome. the door. So I can have <laughs> one person in an office by himself. And so we're trying to do all we can to, to make sure everybody, you know, has a distance between them and we keep, set, you know, stay safe. Yeah. Um, you know, I may our, drive back east just to see what's going on over there. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've done a number of things. You know, <laughs> our first real major virtual event was using all three suites. It was three streams simultaneous, three different breakout rooms, concurrent, concurrent sessions, if you will. Right. Um, with doctors and, and they were all live. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And we brought in live cases. So we had the satellite dish on the roof. And, <laughs> and uh, so we've done a bunch of different things here uh, to try to combat that. You know, literally having almost a second kitchen area so we can have people. So we literally went out and bought a second fridge. Oh my goodness. Are <laughs> you like, kidding me? Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> so you're, you're feeding the crew. Is that what you're yes. telling me? well as you know that's one thing that i always do yes absolutely yeah mara and i were talking about that that you have a a full-on road case like how big is that case it's it's a it's at least a 48 by is it four foot by three foot yeah four by eight or something like that and by huge wheels yeah well i also have to put the, the cappuccino maker in there exactly so when i if if we're gonna be away for a couple days we bring the espresso maker too because yeah oh yeah no you guys rock with that that's awesome (laughs) well and that's i gotta tell you one of the things because um 
you know, as project manager and, and producer or whatever I call myself, I don't know. I don't have to be, I'm not doing a, a job per se during the event. So I get to move around. Right. And so one of the things I always like to do in the afternoons after lunch, you know, it's always that time where people start to get tired. Right. And, you know, most of the crew is in a room that's dark backstage or something. You can't get up and move when you want. So I usually like take a bunch of of chocolate and like candy Mm -hmm. and I have to put it in something so you don't know what it is because I don't want to be walking the halls of the conference center the hotel or the convention center with a box of chocolates so I usually put it in some sort of baby box of some sort and then I go around to the crew and then I I go backstage and I give them all candy in the afternoon (laughs) because they're pick me up and they're like oh Rebecca's coming (laughs) for the chocolate break right that it is very cool that you do that um that actually inspired me to make sure I'm on top of that. It's not like I didn't do it, but you may, you like strengthen that within me of that's an important step in, in this position. You know, I'm not the A1 anymore. That's getting somebody getting it brought to me, which, so that's in the back of my mind, how much I enjoyed it as a tech to have somebody come and think about me in the afternoon, bring me a cup of coffee, bring me some chocolates or a snack or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember, you know, Dusty DeZambo mm-hmm. and he and I were in Atlanta and things are going great. It's a smaller show. And I went up to him and, and the rest of the crew in our general session and said, Hey guys, I'm going to Starbucks. Can I get you something? And they weren't busy. And they're like, no, no you know what? He's like, great. We, we can get coffee. We're fine. No guys, you don't seem to understand. I want to buy you coffee. And I want to go get it for you because, you know, that's my appreciation moment. So it was kind of funny to have somebody start to turn me down. I'm like, no, no, this is about you. (laughs) I'm I'm generally doing it when the guys can't, can't leave, you know, you can't get up and leave when they want, you know, and what I do is if you can get up, well, that's why I have the espresso maker in my, you know, in in the office, in my uh, boneyard or whatever. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and so, you know, I always have extra snacks there. They can come and get them. But for the people who can't get up, that's when I'm bringing them the coffee or whatever, because I can. And, you know, I I think it's important to show that appreciation and that you value them because they're not just an independent contractor. I mean, these are the people that make and break your shows. And it's important to have that respect for them. Yeah. Um, And not just on that kind of thing, but, you know, when you're setting up, for example, and setting things up, you know, I try to tell people what the goal is, give them a room diagram, tell them this is the gear we've got allocated and tell them what the goal is and what, what the plan is and mm-hmm. let them set it up. And two different, you know, I might have the same specs for two rooms and two different graphic ops or video ops are going to set it up slightly different and audio people, they're all going to be a little bit different. And that's okay. I mean, I don't need to tell them and I don't want to tell them how to do their job. I want them to do it. That's their job. Um, right. And I want them to use their expertise and, and solve the issues that come up. And then I get to just come in at the end and say, 
Yeah, I mean, we can't put, I know, I know all you audio techs want the speakers in the center. I know it sounds better, but you can't have it there because it of looks. Yes. <laughs> aesthetics, the client will not have it there. I know it's the best place for the speaker. Yep. Yeah, I, I got over that. Sorry. I got over that early in my career. <laughs> it's like, uh, this is where I want to put them. So I would walk up to someone like Rebecca going, this is where I want to put them as an A1. What do you think? <laughs> because be like, I'm so could... sorry. I know that sounds best. And I, yes, you're right. It won't be as ideal, but you can't put it there because someone's going to trip over it or it's going to be in yeah. their way and they're not going to like it. And, and I'm always having to sort of um, balance that, you know, what, you know, aesthetics and what the client's looking for. And right. you know the best product we can give you know we can give them with in terms of the uh, you know the setup and everything. So I'm yeah. I'm going to tell you I'm looking to the techs and the independent contractors and and want to use their expertise. Um, and Absolutely. I remember doing uh, TCT when I one of the guys said to me how much they love doing TCT because of the speaker ready because you get all these different texts and this knowledge base in this one room yes. and they all start talking and, you know, an, an issue or a problem might come up and they're like, oh, how do you solve this? And you have all these different heads with all this different knowledge base and you learn off each other. And then, you know, you learn so much by working with other people and yep. seeing what comes up, you know, I, I think every time an issue or a problem or challenge, I should say, comes up, that's when you learn the most. Absolutely. Like, how do you solve that? What's the best way? And you know, there's often multiple ways. So that's yep. And that, and you're absolutely right because that's the way you've run your speaker ready. For the most part, you have folks in there that are not just graphics people; they're technicians as well. So they're people that have that crossover talent. Um, I think mine was forced on me as from being a project manager <laughs> and walking into shows that didn't have a graphics op that needed one where, you know, we, we assume the client was taking care of that or they were, but the person's not coming on site kind of situations. <laughs> it's funny because you talk, you call yourself an audio person. It's like, I don't hire you for audio. <laughs> no, I know. Right. <laughs> Sorry. But the, but you're no, 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 no. In other positions. And it's like, I can hire audio ops. That's easy to do. I can't hire another Ray. I am, I am very multi-talented. Yes, that's very true. Um, that's, that's a story we told on another uh, podcast too, as well as that uh, on a, an event that was like a two, three month long event. It was three months for me. It was two months for the crew. Um, I, by, the, the, by the end of that event, I had touched every department for some reason or another, you know, somebody was sick, somebody, what I had touched every department in that event. And they're like, Hey, is there anything you can't do? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure there is. But when we figure it out, I'll let you know. <laughs> well, so my skill is not knowing how to do it all. It's knowing who to call to get it all done. <laughs> and that's true. I mean, even in, even saying that Rebecca, one of the, uh, areas that I would never want to be in, in that situation that we were in was, would be opping the lighting board. 
because a higher end lighting board, like what they had in there is definitely far out of my wheelhouse. But to say that I touched every department is because I fixed a moving light. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can, I can make sure cables are seated and fix a moving light. I can get up in a lift and whatever. I, there's a lot that I can do. There's very little that's going to stop me. I'm going to try. <laughs> right. yeah, but yeah, no. That's one reason I love working with you or, you know, the people like Mara and, and so many of the people that we work with. Um, I, I got to tell you, I, I've always said, I think we have the best crew ever. Yes. Um, and, and one of the reasons that I hire everybody individually and I don't normally go through um, labor pools is... I want them to. Um, I want to be. I want them to be able to make more money if they go through a labor pool. Right. The technician doesn't make as much. Um, right. I want the technician to make what you know as much as they as I can afford. <laughs> um, but I want mm-hmm. to offer to them, and I want to treat them well because I feel like the better you treat them, the more you'll get out of somebody. You know, the right. more willing they are to. You know, not bitches all of a sudden that, you know, I know it's 10 hours, but you know, this room is just not quite there yet. It needs a little bit more. Would you stay and finish or something just happened and I have to move something and who's willing to stay. And if you treat your crew better, people aren't going to bat an eye or give you a hard time. I mean, no, they're going to step up and help you because they appreciate you as well. Right. So, you know, I'll give you a good example of what you just, what you just hinted on there, which is the crewing company versus hiring freelancers direct. Cause I've always done that as well. I want to me, it was handpicking and the better rate that I can give somebody because I'm right. not going through the crewing company. And then there are times that we both, you and I go through a crewing company and, right. you know, get a few hands for whatever, right. but specifically the technicians, right there was an event that was pretty large in the DC area that I used to uh, manage. And I did that, but there were 83 people on the crew for breakouts and 40 people on the crew for the general session. So that's like, you're talking about about 120 technicians in the DC area, big show. And they're all handpicked. Right. So my client now has to write 120 checks, yeah. <laughs> however many, you know, the people there were, and they were, they were fine with that. It was a good show. But when I stopped managing the show, they started to use a crewing company and they were calling the same people that were on the show. Cause they had a crew list and they gave that crew list to the crewing company and said, here, hire these people. Right. So I was getting phone calls and emails. People thought I was still in charge going, why am I being called by the crewing company to do, to do a show that I do for you? And, and now I'm being offered $15 a day less right. or $15 an hour less is my, sorry, $15 an hour less. I'm right. like, I'm sorry, I'm not involved anymore. So I, I don't know what's going on and I don't know why they chose to do that. I'm sorry. You can take it or leave it. You know, that's unfortunate. And I hate to hear that. Well, the tough part though, and one of the reasons why I didn't didn't want to be a freelancer is it puts the freelancers in a tough position because they probably feel like, you know, they have to take it because you don't know when your next job's coming, you know, unless you have a lot of work, you know, sometimes they'll have to take it if they don't have something else. Um, Yeah. 
but also if that happens and they get a better offer, they're more likely going to cancel on the credit depending on whoever's paying them less. Well, it was also a lesson on the client because the things changed after that year in particular. It was a lesson on the client because a lot of those people did turn them down. Yeah. Because you can imagine out of 120 techs in the DC area, not there's not 120 of them that are desperate enough to say, I have to say yes to that show. Right. So yeah, they did lose a lot of crew by doing that. And then of course you end up with crew that's not quite as good because you if you think about it, the 120 is just about every <laughs> good tech in the, the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. That's, that's well, thing. And, I am and some of them, some sort of, of them even came from New Jersey, New York and, and West Virginia. I, I don't think there's yeah. that in the DC area. Not to <laughs> that, but that's why I used to bring people in from, from all over. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there aren't that many. Right. Of, you know, in terms of depending on what level you need certainly yeah yeah so yeah i had a lot of people that came in from out of town for that one as well yeah oh i imagine <laughs> i imagine well one of the things as you know i do that i don't think anybody else does that i know of is i have my silly little uh contracts with my independent contractors and i make them yes sign contracts yes ma'am um <laughs> at a time and it's one it's more of a confirmation a formal confirmation that yes you're hired for this event for this position at this rate um mm -hmm. these are the dates um every once in a while there are, there's obviously i'm like oh shoot the dates change or something happened but you know i feel like people are more likely if they have that they're not going to cancel on your last minute certainly mm -hmm. um and the other reason I, I do it is because i want to make sure that i'm you know, everything is arranged ahead of time in terms mm -hmm. of what the expectations are. Um, yeah. I think when I first started doing TCT, I didn't have that. And I'd get afterwards, I'd get all these invoices. And sometimes an invoice would come through for a rate that I wasn't expecting. And I'd be like, well, right. Oh, we, we <laughs> talked about it. On, don't you remember we mentioned it, you know, three months ago? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> or maybe we didn't mention it, but that's my rate. <laughs> Mm, right. I always do it by, by an email, but I like that you do it by the contract. And, um, the, the only reason I find it silly is because I'm, I'm the person who, you know, is, oh, I'm still keeping track of that on my own. So it's funny to see it come from the client, but let me ask you this, since you are, um, a contract person, do you feel that anything has changed with this pandemic that technicians should pursue contracts more? Are you going to change anything about your contracts, cancellation fees, thing, anything like that? Um, I haven't. Um, you know, I did, I think, put something in and we started doing things where we, we do make people sign off to make sure that they're not sick when they arrive. Okay. You know, when they come on our premises, they have to do things like take their, their temperature we record that um but i haven't really um trying to think if i have i don't i haven't really I, you know you know to me i'm still i'm you know the biggest difference is that they we're not traveling they're all local right uh, most of the people i'm still traveling a couple people honestly um but so i don't have things like per diems or travel rates 
So, no, I mean, I think, you know, and I feel I feel bad for the freelancers because I'm sure there's not nearly as much as there used to be. I'm sure it's it's less. Right. Um, but I think a lot of the people and certainly the, you know, people that are really good have have stepped up and are getting work. There's a lot of businesses out here that are doing things like us and 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 hiring people. Yes. That's so true. people seem to be pretty busy. I mean, working for production companies and, and studios and that kind of thing. Yeah. We had to have additional internet run to the offices to manage all the virtual. Ah, so that's so it. And, oh yeah, we had significant upgrade to our <laughs> to our internet capabilities here. Well, that's great, actually, because again, you guys have a lot of work that's going on, which I think is fantastic. It it makes me feel good about you know this whole thing, even though. There are so so many people that are not working, but it's also great to know that there are people who are, that it's well, not a hundred percent. Not as much as I would working. like. <laughs> well, so not as much as any of us would like, but you know, what that's the, the glass half empty or the glass half full, I know. you know, it, it could be everybody. It's not everybody. It's right. close to. It's but. <laughs> clients we used to have, we only, you know, aren't doing things. So jobs mm-hmm. we used to have, we're not doing. Right. Um, Viva used to be huge meeting. We, I loved going to Vegas and it was yes. so much fun. And um, that was such a, uh, it's such a fun meeting. And part of it's just because, <laughs> you know, the big curved screen and I love doing the red and the blue and the purple theaters. Right. Know, they look great. Um, um I like it because that's one of my hands-on gigs. Yeah. That's where I get to go around and be a troubleshooting tech or, you know, your floater tech and sometimes room tech. And that's one I of my know, favorites. I do remember one night going out and hitting the casino with you. Yes. The slots. Yes. I <laughs> sat at two identical machines <laughs> and put in money and you won like a couple hundred dollars and I lost all my money. <laughs> Okay. So in all fairness, I did tell you when we went there and we were going to do the gambling that I am a big time loser in the casinos and I tend to avoid them because I'm such a big time loser. Vegas to Arizona for another gig and had a one day in between. It was one of those times where my next client said, it's not worth flying you back across the country to fly you back across the country. Um, And so I went from Vegas to Phoenix I rented a car and I drove through the desert a little bit and I got a massage. And that was, that was how I spent my Vegas winnings. (laughs) (laughs) You know, cause you're talking about the mom who, you know, doesn't get that extra day in some place. So I'm like, I'm going to do something to make the best of it. Like, what can I do in, in Phoenix for the day? It was fun. That's that's always one of my, my, you know, I, I have fun on that one. You know, K2 trying to teach me how to do craps. <laughs> <laughs> we had K2 on the show. Did you see that one or hear it? Yes, I, I keep saying it. see it, <laughs> hear it. <laughs> He's awesome. I love, I love him. And it was really funny. I, you know, and I, I have to, I always try and use them when we can use as projectors. But mm-hmm. so many times we're using as projectors they're way overkill for what we need, but I'm like, well, yeah. if you don't have any other use for it, it gives you something and you get to go to Vegas. <laughs> <Whatever it is. laughs> I send them. I'm like, so, and we have fun. So yeah, we do. As I said, 
we have the, the best crew, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel very lucky. Absolutely. I, I feel lucky to be a part of it. Well, um, I'm going to wrap this one up because we are out of time. Okay. <laughs> so this has been a fantastic conversation, Rebecca. Thank you so much for being with us. And we hope to have you back sometime. Will you speak right. yourself until next time and happy holidays. Thanks. Same to you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Check out our website at feedthecrewpodcast.com for more information, as well as links to all of our episodes, bulletins, and social media. When you're hungry for inspiration, information, friends, and laughter, join us. Join us. Join Join us. us on Feed the Crew.